Welcome to The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. NFTs, non-fungible tokens. They're all the rage right now in the blockchain space, but with apps like Twitter getting in on the NFT craze, have they finally hit a turning point that could see widespread adoption? If you pay any attention to the news, there's a very good chance that you've heard about NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah, like 12 people know what it is. Well, I, I barely know. Can you explain what an NFT is? NFTs are all the rage right now, and for good reason. Back in March of 2021, the digital artist Beeple sold an NFT for 69 million US dollars. And that seems to have sparked a craze that is starting to expand past the crypto community. Everyone wants in on this NFT space, even if they don't quite know what it's all about. For instance, according to one place on the internet, an NFT is a digital good that lives on the Ethereum blockchain. Because nothing clears things up faster. Like mentioning the Ethereum blockchain. NFTs have even drawn the attention of celebrity backers, with people like Paris Hilton releasing their own NFT projects. Paris actually gave Jimmy Fallon and his entire audience an NFT from her collection. And I want to give one to everyone in the audience. The Australian Open even got in on the action this year, releasing an Artball NFT collection that was linked to real match data. Twitter has also integrated a way to display NFTs as your profile picture. Instead of the usual circular picture, those with NFTs can connect their blockchain wallet and display their digital art in a hexagonal shape. There's also rumours of Meta integrating NFTs into Facebook and Instagram, and YouTube has also discussed the idea. So are we about to see the mass market adoption of NFTs? Look, I think it's really, really important. And a number of those examples that you're using, obviously, the parallel there is to trading cards. This is Chris Berg. Chris is the co-founder and co-director of the Blockchain Innovation Hub at RMIT University. The Australian Open had effectively online digital trading cards. Um, These days, we spend most of our time online. No wonder that we've moved our trading cards and collectibles onto the internet as well. In the US, the NBA Top Shots was a hugely hugely successful project allowing people to trade what they call moments. Again, it's like trading cards. I think it's really significant from an adoption perspective because, as as you pointed out, right, there, there are people like me who I spend all my time in uh, cryptocurrency communities and uh, Web3 communities looking at sort of the, the, the most experimental outreaches of NFT technology. But most people aren't going to do that. Most people are going to be interested in this technology if it's adding value to them, um, to their day-to-day lives. And people find that, you know, trading cards and collectibles are exactly the sort of thing they're interested in. I think this is actually the thin end of the wedge for, wedge for cryptocurrency adoption. More generally, we're seeing more people in the general community approach this because they think NFTs are cool and interesting rather than, you know, getting really involved in the technicalities of blockchain. And we're seeing all different sorts of uh, sorts of products that are being products, artworks, uh, tickets, you know, avatars, like, you know, being listed as, as NFTs. So if you buy an NFT, like, what do you, what do you own? 
Well, you, you're owning the digital representation of the asset. Now, it's a really important point here, though, because, of course, often the digital representation of the asset is just a pointer to the physical picture. So you may well, and 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 that that physical picture, of course, everybody has pointed out. Many skeptics have pointed out. Well, you can just sort of screenshot or or copy paste that and put it somewhere else. Um, now, I think that's fundamentally a misunderstanding of what's going on with NFTs, because the NFT itself is the pointer, is the unique object. So I can copy and paste anything all the time, just like historically people have pirated. Um, uh, and copied uh, uh, original artworks, copied original, you know, songs and, and videos and so forth. Um, but it's the existence of this digital, unique digital pointer. So while we're seeing a lot of debate about the sort of copy-paste JPEG thing, I think it's most interesting if we use it as the basis of a new form of economic ownership that is digitally represented, that is provable, that is um, uh, uncopyable, unreplicable to, um, you know, as, as I say, to do things like manage real-world objects like tickets, manage relationships, manage identities, and so forth. Do you think there's still, you know, a complexity to NFTs that still, that needs to be figured out? I guess if you if you compare, you know, a lot of cryptocurrencies to, to money, like, you know, using tangible cash is is a lot a lot cheaper if you buy you know a piece of art for your for your wall you know you exchange that for cash it's very simple you buy an nft it's a lot more complicated you need to have a wallet and you need to convert to cryptocurrency you need to get in the right cryptocurrency on the right blockchain and it starts to get quite complicated what do you think needs to be solved uh there to make that that easier for that widespread adoption piece no, you're absolutely right. Look, it is getting a lot better, but it is still very, very difficult for most people in most circumstances. I think I think there's two things that need to be solved. First of all, there's an education piece. So um, even conceptually, an NFT is hard for many people to get their head around. Why, why would it be valuable? Why would I want this sort of thing? So I think that conceptual conversation is ongoing. But we're still at the stage on but the but the second part is is right that the the really mechanistic complexity there's a lot of work that has to be done to make these services easier to use and if you're going to go off and buy if you find something on a major nft platform like OpenSea, you're right you'll have to get cryptocurrency you'll have to learn to use a wallet you'll have to figure out how to use OpenSea, and then you'll have to figure out how you're going to display or show that artwork or, or look at it for your for yourself as well i think part of the way through this is those large corporate projects that we've discussed open um uh, the the nba um the australian open those sorts of things are very much designed for the user experience in mind. They're not trying to push you through cryptocurrencies. They're going to allow you to use your credit card to buy something that you view on their website or their application or what have you. Um, I think that helps onboard people because once they're on, they might get more curious about the, the deeper, darker reaches of the NFT ecosystem. But um, but I, I think that's a really useful way forward. More generally, though, of course, more and more Australians, more people around the world are getting used to cryptocurrency and are actually getting used to um, dealing with these, these complexities. So I, I think there's an education piece and there's a development piece. But putting the complexity of actually buying an NFT to one side, there's still some major issues that need to be solved. And we'll explore those right after this break. Ready, 
Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For The Defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. A lot of big companies are getting into the NFT space right now, from Twitter to the Australian Open and even the World Wildlife Fund. Yes, WWF have launched an NFT collection linked to 13 endangered species. Their NFT project is listed on the Ethereum blockchain, but it uses the Polygon protocol. And this is important, because the main Ethereum blockchain has a number of major problems, with one of them being gas fees. You can think of gas fees as the amount it costs to actually process a transaction. Think of it like the charge for using your Visa or your MasterCard, except gas fees fluctuate. And depending on the value of your item, you could end up paying more in transaction charges than what it costs to actually buy the NFT. The Polygon protocol, however, does not have these same issues. So how much of a barrier can gas fees be to the widespread adoption of NFTs? Yeah, no, no, it's a huge issue. And it makes sense. If you're buying an artwork with a million dollars, then, it, you know, $200 for gas fees is no great problem. Um, uh, but it, but it, it completely excludes the vast majority of the population. Um, we are solving that by scaling blockchains. Uh, we're doing that in lots of different ways, some of which is making blockchains that are completely separate um, and have to Ethereum and have um, much faster transactions. And then as well as that, we're also building um, blockchains on top of Ethereum that use, that get Ethereum security, but allow a, a, a much faster, a much cheaper, can take many more transactions. Um, and as a consequence, have much less gas fees. Uh, as we're seeing the industry evolve, we're seeing that, you know, be, be realized by the community that that's actually, that's a threshold problem that we need to overcome. There's a lot more work, there's a lot more experimentation, there's a lot more products being built elsewhere. Um, uh, th- this is a this is a very early stage industry and um, we're finding lots of problems that have to be solved. They're not problems that can't be solved, but they do take time to solve and, and um, I think the, the Ethereum gas uh, prices is one of those. What sort of role do you think NFTs will play in our society going forward, or you know, or do you see them as more like a short-term play? No, I think they. I think well, they're going to be a permanent part of the economy. Um, NFTs are really useful as a record of ownership, a digital record of ownership that allows you to prove that you own something, whether it's a real-world asset or a digital asset. I my expectation is that most assets in the economy in 10 to 20 years will be backed by digital records of that ownership. And when you transfer 
ownership to someone else, you'll also transfer the digital record. Fundamentally, that's what an NFT is. And and if you think about it that way as sort of the foundation layer of the property rights system of the future, then, you know, the, the scope for NFTs is, is just truly mind-boggling. Also in the headlines today, shares in Meta have plunged this week after the company posted a less than ideal outlook for the first quarter. What was more concerning though was that Facebook's daily active users has declined for the first time. The shares plunged over 25% in just one day and the drop was worth more than 200 billion in market cap. Spotify CEO Daniel Ek has defended the company's action regarding misinformation on Joe Rogan's podcast. In an address to staff, Daniel Ek tried to explain why Spotify did a licensing deal with Rogan to bring his content onto the platform, and why Rogan was so important to their future in podcasting. He also said that Spotify was not in the business of dictating the discourse that these creators want to have on their shows. Eck went on to say that there were many things that Rogan says that he strongly disagrees with, but that Spotify wasn't the publisher of Rogan's podcast, so doesn't have any creative control over who Rogan interviews or what is said in the show. And finally today, Nintendo have announced their Switch game console has sold 103.54 million units as of December 31st, 2021. The gaming industry has seen lots of growth during the pandemic. Despite a global chip shortage and Nintendo's current generation console being in high demand, the Switch, which was released in early 2017, has now outsold the popular Nintendo Wii launched in 2006. The Wii sold 101.63 million units in its lifetime. While the Switch will celebrate its fifth birthday next month, Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa says the console is just in the middle of its life cycle. Traditionally, Nintendo consoles have seen sales decline in their sixth year on the market, but Nintendo expect the Switch will break that trend and continue on its current trajectory. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was scripted and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. James Parkinson is our producer. For more coverage, check out our website, thedefrag.com, and stay up to date on social media. Just search for The Defrag. If you want to chat with me or the rest of the team, then consider joining our Discord. It's completely free, so come and join us in the Defrag community. I'll put a link in the show notes. And that's all we have for the first week of The Defrag. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be back again with more news and information right here on The Defrag on Monday. Speak to you soon.